In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. And to think that the God of the universe would hold me so close to himself that no matter how many times I fail, that his love, you know, that it's not rooted in my faithfulness, but his faithfulness. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Jim Ramos, and I am here with my... B fam, brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, really excited about our guest today. Uh, he's got a cool following on on Instagram, a new kind of man, and he's got a new book coming out. And uh, he's this guy's busy. He's a full time pastor, and he's got this men's ministry on the side, just crushing it. And so, super excited to get this guy on. Uh, hear his heartbeat. So, but before we get him on. Hey, guys, want to encourage you to head on over to our website, menintherena.org. Uh, right now, we've got uh, my bathroom book is back online. You can get that download for free for just a couple weeks. But we're adding something in the next couple weeks that I think will reach a million men. And it's work right now. We don't we're just calling it the Bevome. It's an assessment that will help you assess your masculinity in 20 areas that define and qualify men for biblical leadership. So we take the 20 qualifications for a biblical elder in the pastoral epistles. We categorize them under our five qualities of manhood, protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. And you can do an online assessment. It's only 40 questions. And then we're going to start writing a book here in about a year. And it's going to have, that book will include 200 assessing statements. and, And you can really see where you are as a man, and I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous about the test because I wrote it against myself. So I, I took everything that I'm weak in and I built this assessment, but it's going to be a monumental work in the lives of guys. So guys, uh, check our website out. We'll be uh, keeping you informed next couple of weeks. So anyway, so I want to make that little push. Dale, what do you got for us today? You got a man word? I do. And this is a hyphenated word and it's on the negative oh, sense. I know it's been a while. This word is paper fire. Oh, uh, I, I think I made that word up. You did. Yeah, it's something I, I, I've heard yeah. since 2003. Uh, I've heard you say this. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the person who's a paper fire, they come on strong and hot and fast, and then poof, they're gone. And, and you and I have been doing ministry for a long time. And uh, <laughs> when someone comes into the to help you in ministry and they're just fired up, like just freaking out. You kind of look at them and go, Hmm, are they going to hang in there? You know? And well, yeah. Yeah. And I, as a father and as a husband, uh, we got to make sure we're not a paper fire. You know, when the romance is gone, I'm gone. Um, it's for the long haul. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's don't be a paper fire. Well, and even more than that, Dale, uh, Guys will go to events or hear a podcast or read a book and they get, oh, I'm fired up to be a man. And it flames up and flames down. And if you live your life monument to monument or hilltop to hilltop, you're not going to make it. You need to live your life in the valley. Though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, in the valley 
is the fertile soil. And so we're asking guys to burn, to create a fire in their life that will burn and sustain them over a lifetime, not a bunch of wadded up pieces of paper thrown in a trash can. So yeah. super cool, man. You got a hero story? I do. There's a, this guy, it says uh, Yamhill Josh on uh, our podcast. And, and he says, I've been married for eight years. I have two kids. Listening to this podcast has me constantly thinking and rethinking the way my household is run. It's been instrumental in making me the man my wife needs me to be, as well as being the dad my son and daughter need. Always looking forward to the next episode. That is so cool. Oh, that's awesome. And Yam Hill, you'd think we'd know the guy, but I don't think I know who that is. So, hey, Josh, hit us up. We'll send you some swag, man. Swag. Hey, I'm really excited about today's guest, Chad Zook. He is 46 years old, lives in Dublin, Georgia, married to his beautiful wife, Marla, for the last 27 years. I, I couldn't believe that when I read that, Dale, because the guy looks like he's like 28. So I, 46 years old, I don't know what it is. Anyway, but he's 46, married to his beautiful wife, Marla. He's been a full-time vocational ministry guy for 15 years and a lead pastor for the last 10. He's been working with men in men's ministry for 18 years. This guy really has a passion for helping men out. He has a podcast called A New Kind of Man, which I was actually on. He's an, he does an excellent, excellent job on that podcast. I highly recommend you guys check it out. He's got a great, hey, he's got a cool Instagram presence, and uh, I love following this guy, and he's a, I just really am excited to hear him. So, Chad, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. I am doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so hopefully a Georgia can uh, give us a uh, figure out their voting deal here, huh? What's going on over there? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I'm sick of looking at it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I feel this. I'm like, just name a dang president. But yeah. it's going to be a while. So, hey, hey, Chad, tell us your story, man. What, what makes you tick? I know you have uh, some military background and and uh, some various things. Why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself so we can uh, put the uh, interview in context? Yeah, I, uh, again, have just as you had said, I've been married for be 27 years here next week. Actually, it's a week from tomorrow. No. Yeah, the 13th. So, uh yeah, we've been married for a long time now, and we have two great kids of our own, and my son is married. He got married. He had a COVID marriage, so now we actually have three kids, but two biologically, and now a great daughter-in-law, and my son is 24. My daughter is 17. Live in Dublin, Georgia. Been here for the last 10 years, ministry for 15. I am a veteran of the Navy, and originally I'm from Illinois. So, oh, okay. And, and I think this is, this is an important piece, too, uh, is, is I talk about my story and, and, and really what God's done and doing. Um, I was not raised in church, and I was a product of divorce. My parents divorced when I was four, and that really is where, uh, like, tracing my story back and, and really going back and, and kind of showing uh, really what God has done and just the faithfulness of God in the midst of all that brokenness. So when, so you, you told me your parents got divorced when you were four yeah. and you call your brokenness a wound. At yeah. what point did you realize that you had been wounded or broken? What, how old were you when this began to surface in your life? Uh, I wouldn't have called it a uh, brokenness or a wound until I, I was honestly probably around 30, 30 ish. Uh-huh. Uh, I gave my life to Christ at 21, and it was after, for me, it was after the birth of my son, and I realized, I was like, I was completely inadequate to raise my son, and I didn't know what I wanted to do as a dad. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. All I knew is I didn't want to, I didn't want to make the mistakes that my parents had made, and yet that's not much of a plan, you know? I mean, it was just, it was just literally, yeah. like, I, I know what I don't want to do. So I guess there's some some guidepost there. It's just not that great. But about the age 30, and that's really when God started to show me um, just what was kind of tracing back the steps of my past and and going through and and really it began at 21, but then at about 30 is probably what I would have called it a wound to realize that everything that happened in my childhood was uh, it basically led me to be the person that I was at 30. Or around 30. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the man that I was. Uh, I mm. didn't like the man I, who I'd become. And, you know, and so, yeah. And I, what I, I say it in this way is 
uh, I learned how to be a father by being fathered by God. So at the age of 21, give my life to Christ. My son was, was an infant at that time. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, I have no idea what to do. Some friends of ours invited me to, to my, my wife and I, our whole family to church, gave my life to Jesus. And I just got very quickly integrated into a Promise Keepers men's group. And that was really, really helpful. I was only in that group for a couple months. And then I, I actually went on to my last deployment because that's when I was in the service. That was my last deployment. And I missed my son's first birthday. I was gone from six months to just over a year in doing a Mediterranean Persian Gulf uh, deployment on board an uh, aircraft carrier. And then when I came back, uh, my wife and I both went to college at the same time. We, it seems like we've done everything different. Or we've done everything difficult. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's the easy way. It's like, no, I think we're going to choose the other way. Um, but, yeah. but after all of that life and things kind of slowed down, uh, we, I started to realize that much of the reason why I was the way that I was was because I had wounds that were unhealed. So when you say wounds that were unhealed, would you mind sharing what you identified as those wounds and what the, and the source of those wounds? Sure. Uh, and really this goes into uh, the book that I'll be writing and the six bulletproof ways to become a better man. So if I can cycle into those, it's, they're all kind of woven together. Uh, the first one is source. I, once I realized that, um, you know, even when I was a little boy and I think most little boys are like this or teenage boys, it's like, you want to become something, you want to do something, you're stri you're striving. We want to be the hero, uh, most likely, you know, hero of our own story. And, um, so growing up, I had all this expectation, but I didn't have any men around me to help guide me. So what does, what does a teenage boy do in those situations? He looks for a, a way to validate himself. He looks for sources. He looks within himself and he realizes, well, I don't have, you know, a guy doesn't have what it takes. And then he looks and he goes to find girls. He finds young ladies. And, and unfortunately, that's part of my past and taking advantage of young ladies. And what I was doing is I was lying and manipulating to hide my own insecurities. But it was after I had gotten to the source, and that's God, that, that I realized that, man, God is the source of my masculinity. He's the source of me as a man. And, and, and the closer that I would get to the source, the more I would actually see myself. Uh, so if I can indulge, I'll tell a story and kind of help bring this point. Uh, my family and I, years ago, our, our small group, we went out, we decided that we were going to do some kayaking in Wakawa Springs, Florida. That's when we lived there. So we got in these kayaking and, and canoeing, and we happened to be in, a, in canoes, and none of us are expert in canoeing. So we get in this water, and it's black water. And black water is familiar with swamp land because of the minerals, but the water is literally black. You can't see the bottom. Um, and so, so we got in our, our canoes, and we went downstream. The source was a spring down here, but we, we got downstream, and the farther we got, the more black the water got. And the more murky the water, the more difficult it is to see. And unfortunately, uh, our daughters, some, a friend of mine, his daughter and my daughter were in our canoe. And they decided that they both wanted to look over the side of the canoe at the exact same time, which means that the canoe then swamps. And I'm with my wife. And let me, like, it was a horrendous experience, to say the very least. Everything is then scattered throughout the river. Um, and it was just an absolute wreck. And. And at first, you know, now we can laugh about it, but I just want to say there probably wasn't a whole lot of words spoken on that ride home. And my wife really never got, got over that for a long, long time because she thinks it was my fault because it was because I had the idea for us to even go on the canoeing trip to begin with. Oh, okay. So the farther you get downstream, the more murky the water gets. And I think much that's a great metaphor for life. It's like, the farther you get into life and the deeper you get into your story, um, it becomes more complicated. But an amazing thing happened is we got in our canoes after the fact and we went back. We're going upstream now. And we got to the, to the spring, to the headwaters. And guess what? The water wasn't murky anymore. The water was crystal clear. You could see exactly where wow. the water was coming out of the ground. And that's what it's like when we get back to and we cycle, we'll we follow our life story back to the source and find the source of our strength, find the source of our masculinity, 
find the source of our being, and that's God. Uh, I love how John Calvin said it in this uh, complete paraphrase. He says, the more you know God, the more you know yourself. And the more you know yourself, the more you can know God. And that is just so true. And that's what happens when you get, you cycle back in your story to the source of life. And once, once that had happened, I started to realize, man, who I was. And I started to realize that, that all of these wounds, some of those were my fault. Some of those were the fault of my parents. And then God started to show me and just offer such clarity to things in my past. But I had to get to the point where it's the second, the second main idea that I had to submit to God. Because well, hold on, a, let me go back to the first. Yeah. Let me go back to the first thing. Sure. Because you're saying a lot of stuff and you're generating a lot of thoughts in my brain here. So cool. I want to I want to make sure we I cover all the things swimming around in my my mind here. <laughs> so earlier you said that the that ladies were the source. Yeah. So the it's okay. It's but we're saying a counterfeit source. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a counterfeit source. Yeah. What have you seen in your 18 years with working with men mm-hmm. that 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 they struggle with as a counterfeit source? Like what's what is a man's default if it's not going to be God? Mm. What have you noticed? Yeah, I have to get on onto that topic. I, I found that. A lot of men will go to a woman for validation. It's because yeah. men weren't initiated in their own right, or they weren't released from their mother, or they were released, or excuse me, or they were kept captive by the mother because the dad wasn't around. So men becoming very feminized, and then it just creates a uh, a distorted view on on what a woman is to provide. And so, so part of that is. Uh, just uh, I think the one of the ways that the wounding happens and uh, it's common in a lot of psychology and John Eldridge's writing, Leanne Payne wrote about this in the crisis of masculinity. Gordon Dalby, he digs deep into this in the healing of the masculine soul. soul he, yeah. Yeah. He, he talks about uh, once we have a wound and then there are vows that are formed around that because of our sin nature. And then there's a false self that's lived around that. So a wound just think of it, uh, concentric circles, wound, and then the way you it just gets hardened when you have vows. Then you say, whatever that wound is, you make vows, say, I never want that to happen to me again. And then you have a, for, a false self, a false version of you, an incomplete version of you. Uh, I like what, what you guys talk about because you guys talk about living out your best version. Yes. So, and, and to find your best version is to get to the source and, and realize that God is the one who's wanting to validate you to become a man. And if we don't have that, what, what we do is, and what I've seen through, uh, through time is men will either go to a substance, they'll either go to a hobby, or they'll either go to a woman. All of these are improper ways of seeking validation as a man. Now, all of these are dead ends. It's interesting that you said seek validation from a substance, a hobby, or a woman. I would add that they seek val- they seek validation from a career mm-hmm. and from money as well. Absolutely. Right. And so so you have this so you have this wounding. And Gordon Dalby, we had him on our podcast, and I love his concept of the mm-hmm. false self because there is a lie out there, and you mentioned it earlier that that if I give my life to Christ, I will become less of a man. Right. And the exact antithesis is true. Mm-hmm. You will become more of a man with Jesus because you I can identify, you can't identify your false self unless you identify your true source. That's right. Which you is what it. John Calvin is talking about. And I, I love that, man. That's really, really powerful. So, okay. So, so explain again, I want you to articulate, you did a great job, but I want you to translate this into a man's life. Uh, you said earlier in the story about your, do- your uh, daughter uh, tipping the canoe, that the mm. further downstream that you got and the further downstream you traveled, the darker mm. the waters flowed. And mm. then you had to travel upstream to find mm. the clear source. Mm-hmm. Have you seen guys far downstream. And when you see that, how do you get them back? 
Well, I think I think it really comes down to this, and, and I use this a lot of times with guys that I work with. It comes down to something that I'm borrowing from Dallas Willard. I think it's actually rooted in some ancient philosophy, but I can't remember exactly where. It's vision intention means. Is if I see a guy who's who's way downstream and they're 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 really far from the source, they're straying Christian or non-Christian, they're way far away. I always go back to this idea of um, talking about vision intention means. So the vision is to say this this is showing them what God's vision is for a man, ah. and that's what happens if you get to the source. What is God's vision for a man? And then what did God intend for man to do? And then also, what means are available for you to become the man that God wants you to become? So vision, intention, means. Because I, I believe all of us have, at least have or had, a vision for something. Uh, maybe even if a guy's way downstream and he's seeking validation from work, he's created a vision about what work will create for him. And maybe it's some sort of pleasure or happiness or retirement or you know, living in a beach home and retiring at 55, whatever the case may be. But there's always some version of the good life at the end of that. But, yeah. but we're not just looking for a version of the good life. We're looking for a version of the best life, the best life that God has for a man. So what is, what is it that God has? What's his vision for us? What's his vision going all the way back to the source? Genesis 1, 26 through 28. What was the vision that God had for man? That, that's really powerful, Chad. And, and I think one of the reasons why men are confused is that the church has offered a counterfeit vision for a man. And you're a pastor, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on you and I want you to push back. I think that overall, in my 30 years of ministry and 25 of that in the local church, that the church's vision for a man is to become a woman. Mm. And so I struggle with that. And so I struggle with, with lyrics that your heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. I struggle with mm-hmm. with the with the pink foyers and the flowers on the podium and the rooms heated to eighty degrees. And, and yeah. how, how do you, as a senior pastor, make sure that your church is giving men the right vision that God has for them? Well, and it's going to sound. I mean, it's going to sound maybe trite a little bit, but it's to be yeah. a man from the pulpit. It's no, you're a man that's, from the pulpit. Okay, so you hit it's, the ball out of the park just now. You hit the ball <laughs> out of the park right now. So, so one of what we have seen is a lot of the pushback that we're getting in men's ministry is from senior pastors who are quite frankly intimidated because in yeah. their experience as a young man, they never were able to gain a following. They never even actually fit in, and now they're. Mm-hmm leading a church and the only people that will follow them are women. And so they, instead of them journeying back to the source of their true faith and becoming their best version, they stay in their version, their false self. And then, and they, they label masculinity as misogynism or as chauvinism instead of calling it what it is. So elaborate on that, man. I really appreciate that honesty. Well, I, I do think that sometimes, you know, in all fairness, and I'm, it's my full-time job, right? So this is, this is what I do. I pastor a church and lead multiple teams and I love what I do and be able to care for people, minister to people. But, but there are a lot of pastors who are ill-equipped on any of these things. They're, they're uneducated. They're Sunday to Sunday. They're overwhelmed. They're in a church that has 48 committees and the committee holds them back and tells them a lot of churches that the committee tells them what to preach, when they can preach it. And honestly, it's difficult too. just from the, you know, so I'm very sympathetic and empathetic to this because you look in our in our churches and I praise God, our church statistically is not like this. But uh, you look in most churches and it's 70 to 80 percent women. And then you see a few males and you may see a couple of men or people, you know, they're not operating as men. They're just kind of the silent partner with their wives. So there's a lot of pressure with with pastors there just is and i really wish it wasn't the case but there is so i think the i think education is a piece of this and i think for uh, other like-minded people to be sympathetic to them and not double down and say well you're doing a terrible job i think it's kind of understand walk in their shoes a little bit and then to say okay how can i walk with you uh, you know, through this and how I love what Steve Murrow, I believe uh, Murrow's his name. I haven't had David, David Murrow. 
David, David. Murray, thank you. I always say that wrong. Uh, Why Men Hate Church. That book rocked my world. That that book, whether people agree with it or not, that book rocked my world. And as soon as I read that, I started. I looked around at the church, at our church, and uh, the churches, and I was like, "That's feminine. That's feminine. That's feminine. That's feminine. That's for women. That clearly is for that is for women by women. Like, like everything about it. What was amazing is." Uh, my wife and I had the opportunity this when we, when we were in Florida and I, I had read the book and I just shared it with my wife and my wife's a school teacher, but she's a, a school teacher who understands boys. So she sees, th- she sees things through a different lens than what a lot of teachers do, because a lot of education is very feminine based. Like it's just, that's kind of like the default way of learning and everything. But when, so, so I've talked to her about this and it really validated a lot of stuff that she had seen in the classroom. There's a lot of stuff that she'd seen in church. We had an opportunity of going to go into a church in Orlando. It was for an event. It was just, it was a, it was an alpha event and Bear Girls was speaking there. It was for my birthday. She absolutely blew me away. I had no idea where we were going. And then she told me on the way to Orlando, she's like, you're going to go see Bear Grylls. I was like, Bear Grylls? I'm like, are you kidding me? I was, I was into the whole Bear Grylls thing, survival. I'm an outdoors, outdoors man. I love backpacking, hiking. I was all about it. And so we, we went into this church. And as soon as we walked into the, I'm like, we're literally standing at the double doors, getting ready to walk in. I looked up and I said, this is a church developed for men. Yes. There's wood everywhere. It looks masculine. They're big, like big, like um, big pillar, big wood pillars, like on stage. I was like, this is a place that guys feel welcome to come into. And that has informed, honestly, the way that I do everything at our church. Uh, our cafe has a lot of and we're not OK. I'm, I'm not saying that we're always winning at this. Right. It's we're it's a constant battle because you know feminine presence and you can't be barbaric and you can't be so overly masculine that you uh you get out of balance with all of this. yeah but but we have a lot of rock in open space in our cafe it's exposed rock it's it's literally wood that we went to a, a sawyer and i picked this piece of, of cedar and he cut it in half and we brought it back to the church raw wood exposed wood in all these places because I want, I want every guy, their first exposure to be uh, of the church to say, wow, this is a place that I am welcome to go. Well, and here's what I've learned is that the women are not your enemy. They want their man to want to be there. Absolutely. They want their man. And the statistic you were quoting with uh, David Murrow is 61% of the church is women on average and 39% yeah. is, is men. And I'm really pleased to announce at our local church, we have 70% men coming. And so uh, yeah. it's really, really been a, a joy and a blessing. So, well, let's move on to the second of six bulletproof mm-hmm. ways to be a better man, and that is submission. Mm-hmm. So once a guy figures out yeah. his source, once he begins to move away from his false self, moves upstream. I love that analogy, upstream, because only dead things drift downstream. So as he moves upstream, he he needs to live by a word, submission. Uh, I understand yeah. that word, but I don't understand the context here. So why don't you unpack it for us? Well, it goes into the whole idea of false self. It's once you get back to the source, every man is looking for a place to to offer up his his own strength. So we're going to get to strength in a minute. But every man has a strength and every man is looking for a cause greater than himself that he can pour his life into. So once you get to the once you get to the source, it's realizing that all of your attempts have failed. That all of your attempts to have women to validate you as a man, all of your attempts to have your your boss, your kids, your status, your everything is has failed you. So the, the way that we do this and the way that we can be one with the source is by submitting to that source, because if we don't if we don't submit, then we're actually not we're still going to walk away with we're still, if we if we just go to the source and be like, oh, that's really neat. Thank you. We have to get to that source and we have to submit to the source that is that is God and submit to his will in his way for our life. Well, you know, it's interesting, Chad. You're a pastor, so I'm going to let you unpack this. We shrink back at the word submission. Women really shrink back. They have no understanding right. of the context in which Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians. And if pastors right. actually realized what was going on there, uh, that was the most freeing 
a book of the Bible for women, but submission actually is a military term uh, in, in the Greek language. So can you unpack militaristically what this word means and how it affects a man who's trying to submit to the source? Um, I probably can't as well as you can, because it sounds like it's all on the tip of your tongue. But I, I can say it in this in this regard, just being honest. But in this regard, but the idea of submission, I think it has been hijacked. It's been hijacked by uh, people who, honestly, who, who have more of an egalitarian bent towards uh, marriage and yeah. relationships. Yeah. And they want to make it say something. And I think the, the verse that you're quoting is actually, it starts in Ephesians 5.21 yes. about submission. And it talks about submitting one to the other, male and female submitting to one another. But then you get into the finer points of what Paul's talking about. And he talks about uh, a woman submitting to her husband. And then the, the man reciprocates or a man really initiates is a better way of looking at it. A man initiates, barring something um, that somebody else said, but as a man initiates, he lays down his life. Yes. So that that's the core of it. So I think if people were to really look at this and frame this up in the way that Paul talks about, uh, submission isn't, oh, now we're we're just kind of mutual partners in this thing. It's saying, yeah, we're we're equal bears in the image of God. If we go back to the source, that's what we'll see in Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. But that doesn't mean that our roles are the exact same. I love what Leanne Payne talks about in The Crisis of Masculinity. She talks about the polarity of masculinity and femininity, and she borrows on uh, on some other things, too. But she basically talks about how the masculine, the main masculine feature that both men and women have is initiation, and the, the feminine side of it is re basically receiving or the, the, re the receiving after the initiation. And I think that we even see an aspect of this in Paul's writing when he talks about laying down your life, that, that a husband would lay down his life just as Christ died for the church, that a man should be able to lay down his life for his wife. If a man is going to do that, then, then what argument could be posed to a woman submitting to that man's leadership? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if a man is willing to go to that extent, then I, I honestly don't see how that there could ever be, and I haven't had anyone be able to pose a valid argument against that because the very basis is a man is willing to give his life for his wife. So let's flip that onto your, your word, uh, your second of your six words regarding God. So God is asking us to submit our lives to him, but he yes. actually gave his life for us. Yes. So yes. that's really, that's a really powerful thought. Why do guys struggle with submitting to God? Hmm. I think the reason why they do that is because they have they have a will, they have agency, it's what God has given, and, and men have a, a, a large dose of that. And because men ultimately don't know who they are, that they that they naturally look for self-serving ways to satisfy that need. If we're to truly and again, this is my, my whole contention, if we're to go to the source and see that God is good and that God has a good plan for our masculinity. It's to rule and have sovereignty and agency, and God has put that in us. Then I think that we will look for good, uh, good avenues to place that masculinity, and that we would also understand that that it's only right that we submit to God. Yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately, the God, it's 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 the passage: deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, so take up your cross, follow me. Although the word submit or hypotasso is the Greek word you're making reference to, it's not there. But think of what that means. But ultimately, it's uh, submission is the call not just of men, but men and women of faith. We're to continually submit to God. So this isn't just a, a, a dominant masculine trait. But I think because of the way, again, borrowing on what Leanne Payne referred to, and uh, one of the dominant features of a man is initiation, the, the idea of doing something, performing and, and working and striving and all this, uh, going back to Genesis 1, I think because of that, men get misplaced. The farther they get from the source, the deeper they get into sin, the more confusing it gets, and yet they don't have an answer um, or a place, the right place for that submission. One of the things, when you talked about the tip of the tongue, 
that Greek word for submission, it's a military term that deals mm-hmm. with rank within the military structure. And so, mm-hmm. yes, we mutually submit to each other in Christ, but God has created an order, and that order is him first, husband leads, wife. You know, for our family, I make the big decisions. She and I yeah. work it out and discuss it, but I make the decisions. I initiate right. the move, so to speak. And so that's yeah. that's really good. But men have to learn to submit to God if they're going to, as you said, you said every man is looking for a place to offer up his own strength and a cause he can pour his life into. He will yeah. never be able to fully do that. I mean, I look at our presidential election right now. I mean, right. I, I look at guys go, if these guys were fully submitted to Jesus Christ, we would not have all these problems we're having with these guys. And nope. any man, when a man fully submits his life to Christ, we feel the full, you know, you like Eldridge. I like Eldridge. I love his quote, let the world feel the full weight of who you are and let them deal with it. The world can't mm-hmm. feel the full weight unless we're submitted. So your third word mm-hmm. is sonship. So how does that yeah. word work in relationship to source and submission? Well, it's a beautiful connection. Uh, yes. And kind of jumping back into my story, uh, I, I, again, product of divorce and the way that I explain it is I felt like I I was caught in the middle of a tug of war between my parents and I was just the consolation prize. It, I didn't feel like they were trying to win me or my brother, that uh, they were just simply tried to win and we were just kind of like the hanky in the middle of it. It's like whoever won, we were going to go on one side. So that really going all the way back to the age of four, I realized now God has shown me I, I've, I've acted as if I was alone and I acted like I was lonely and I act like um, that, that for me, like nobody was coming for me. This is the narrative that, that I was raised up with. Nobody's coming for me. Nobody understands me. I'm all by myself. Nobody really wants me. But yet whenever I gave my life to Christ and I realized that I had a heavenly father who loved me for who I was, the good parts, the bad parts, that he accepted me for who I was, the good parts and the bad parts. And I realized that he called me a son because going back, I didn't feel like I was a wanted son. And I have a relationship with my dad now. My my mother died tragically a couple of years ago, but I have a relationship with my father and but I, I felt abandoned and I lived like I was this abandoned little boy until I felt the full weight of the love of Jesus. And I didn't even have the terminology or the theology about sonship of what Paul talks about in Galatians. But now I realize that he has adopted me as his son. And to think that the God of the universe would hold me so close to himself that no matter how many times I fail, that his love. You know, that it's not rooted in my faithfulness, but his faithfulness. And because of that, man, that it's been overwhelmingly satisfying for my soul. Well, and on a personal level, I had I struggled with that as well. In 2017, I came to the conclusion that God is a good father and that God will validate me and that I don't have to validate myself. And when yeah. I realized and I think this is one of the issues for us guys is we don't realize the character and nature of God. Once we realize yeah. his character and nature, that he is a good, good father, as the song says, and he will validate mm-hmm. us. And once we're okay with how he validates, because we're not all going to be a president of the United States. We're not all going to be an astronaut. I couldn't even fit in the thing. That's right. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be what we're going to be. And he validates us as his sons. But yet, Sonship is is a way of reclaiming all that brokenness to say, I'm not an orphan, I'm a son. Well, and the thing about it, Chad, the, the thing about it too is that we see this in the church. These yes. are Christian men who are adopted as heirs and sons of the king, living yes. like lost boys. And I, I don't right. know where the I don't know where the disconnect is there. Where is the disconnect mm-hmm. between, you know, I would say 20% of Christian men understand who they are in Jesus, and the 80% are lost in the pulpit mm-hmm. or in the pews. How do we, how do we fix that? Well, I think uh, you guys are doing great work in this regard. And I like to think that I'm doing some pretty good in, in this regard. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, and fortunately I think we're in a day and age to where it's not a shortage of access to good material. It's just somebody's willingness to get into it. 
So whether it's a podcast or a book or blogs or, or whatever the case may be, there is quality material out there for men to gravitate towards, and which is great. I love the fact that we're in this time in history where there's no shortage of that. Of course, consequently, there's also, that means there's, there's no shortage of, of substitutes for good quality material. But I think, I, I honestly think one of the passions that I have, and I haven't done a whole lot of work with this, and I'd like to in the future, is I think for us, we need to help uh, redefine rites of passage for little boys. So we may not be able to do anything. I know you have a couple of years on me, and I don't know how old you are, Dale, but you know I'm 46. So uh, although I, I, my, my core demographic that I work with is, is a guy who's 25 to 35. That's, that's really who kind of gravitates towards my messaging um, statistically. But so I'm not trying to just neglect the 46-year-old, but I think we, we have an opportunity of shifting a whole generation and going back and initiating young boys and showing them the pathway to being not just a man, but being good at being a man. Yeah. And you alluded to some of these counterfeit guys. There's, I, I follow a lot of guys, like I follow some guys with a million followers and, yeah. and the hard, and the hard part is those guys have a follower following for a reason because they're doing some cool things. But as Christian mm -hmm. men, we have to sift out the lie. Like one of the guys, mm -hmm. he says some good stuff, but I saw a picture there. He's smoking a joint as one of his Instagram posts. So I'm like, see, we need to, we need yeah. as Christian men, we need to sift out these counterfeits and say, this yeah. is not what I'm after. So thanks for coming, but I'm going to go the other way because that's yeah. not my source. And I'm a son of the one true king. I'm not, a, I'm not a son of this guy I'm following on social media. So, that's so right. the fourth of your components is strength. And I just yeah. uh, resonate with that word. And uh, how, how does, but I think strength, I think you put that in the order of number four for a reason. Why is yeah. it four and what does it mean? Well, we have to have, we have to know the source. We have to get to the point where we've already submitted to God, the source and understanding our sonship, because the strength part is, is a very difficult part. And that's the one I think that we're going to have so many ebbs and flows. And by strength, I don't just, I'm not just talking about uh, masculine strength as far as, you know, let's go in the weight room and let's go do some bench presses or, you know, let's go do yeah, some yeah. sumo squats and those kinds of things. Strength to me is going down to, and really all of my work is, is, is based off a couple of Bible verses. This is one of them, Luke 252. And it says that Jesus grew, grew in strength, right? He, he, so becoming something, he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and in favor with man. So if, if Jesus grew in wisdom, and the, what I extrapolate from that is, is an intellectual strength or growth. He, he grew in wisdom and stature. So there's a physical, there is a physical component to it. Yes. So there's a strength that we have to gain physically in favor with God. So that's a spiritual strength, spiritual growth, and then relational growth or relational strength. So it's kind of drawing out these four different, what I call four pillars. And without the, without having the first three, we won't know where to place our strength. We will do what the world does and just say, well, my, my strength is so I can look jacked. I can have pecs. I can have abs. I can look good. I can look good, you know, at the beach or I can look good to manipulate women or, or, or whatever the, you know, to gain a, a status and, you know, put half naked pictures on Instagram to kind of show who I am as far as I hate, I hate when Dale does that. I hate when Dale does that. I know. I know you're wearing me it's out. Like, Dale. Stop. It's like Dale, dude, come on. <laughs> you got it. You got it. No. So I agree with you hundred percent, Chad. And I think the opposite is true as well. I think we live in a society. This is the issue I've been having. I've been having, uh, I can't stand bullies. I just, I just right. lose it. I just lose it. And I've had, I've identified three or four bullies on social media. So the ones that are in my circle, I just block them or I unfriend them. But there's some other guys out there that are bullies. And what I've found is we live in a generation of intellectual bullies where men are leveraging their intellectual strength, yeah. even though they're big, fat couch potatoes. So yeah. th so they're, they're, they're lopsided on their strength. But what I'm hearing you say, and I want you to mm -hmm. keep unpacking this, that strength is not intellectual strength. It's not relational strength. It's not physical strength. But it's somehow intertwines these four pillars can you continue to unpack that yeah i can to me when i when i look at what jesus would talk about is the abundant life when he would talk yeah. about the abundant life i believe that part of the abundant life 
it's not just eternity with God in heaven and then the new heavens and what that looks like when we return after all, all that complicated theology and revelation. I think ultimately, right? I think part of this is uh, what I think, and you look at the life of Jesus and he was a fully integrated man. If you're yes. growing in these pillars, that's why I, I, I talk about them as pillars just so you can understand them. But, but just because I haven't found a better metaphor of explaining them, because I don't want people to think that they're separate. They're all intertwined. And I think the promise of the gospel and what Jesus would talk about with the abundant life is in a life to the full is, is also being a man who is fully integrated. So being able to be fully integrated intellectually, spiritually, physically, and relationally being integrated, not in, if, if we look at the type of men you're making reference to, they're lopsided. They're not integrated men. What they look at, what, what they're trying to show to themselves is they what they think their strength is. And most likely it's whether they have a big following or they have big biceps or whatever the case may be. It's like, Hey, look at this. Don't look at the weaker parts of me. Look at this. So what you're saying, man, you got me all jacked up here and not my biceps. They're always jacked up, but you know, you got me fired up here. So you said that Jesus was a fully integrated man. Yes. And, and, and we just had a guy on the podcast just before you a guy named Rod yeah. Handley with a ministry called character that counts. He wrote a book character that counts who's counting yours. And he uh, talks about integrity and integrated. And I think this is going to put your four pillars together. He says yeah. that God is about men who are whole and complete in James chapter one, verse yeah. four, it says that you would be whole and complete lacking nothing. In Philippians one, six, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion. And so here's, yeah. I think the phrase that you're talking about, I'm really excited about the, how this is pulling together that when you talk about strength, when you talk about these four pillars, right? Mental, mental, physical, spiritual, social, what you're saying is God wants an integrated man like himself. Yes. In other words, God is about making men who are integers, not fractions. Yes. Whole not fractured. So what we can do is to identify, and you did this as a young man, you identified your fractured or fraction yes. life. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. that's so good, man. So any more thoughts on strength? Uh, yeah, as far as, as strength, I mean, the great thing about this is, you know, when if you talk about intellectual, relational, physical, or uh, spiritual, you know, if a guy if a guy's out of balance in one of these things, we live in, in an age where you have at, the, at your fingertips easy ways to grow. And and what I what I try and tell guys is this: is just think about the one percent rule. Don't you know? Think about the one percent rule. It's like if you want to grow in this area, don't think how can I become Jordan Peterson, like to that level of yeah. intellect. Whether you agree or disagree yeah. with Jordan Peterson is not the point. But it's like okay, not not to get to that point unless. Unless your 1% is your 1% below where he is, and some of your listeners may be, but it's not to be Jordan Peterson. It's 1% better. If yeah. you're not a reader, pick up, a, pick up some low-hanging fruit. You know, I, I, I just to summarize it in saying this, when it comes to any growing in any of these pillars, doing something easy is better than doing nothing hard. Great point. Do something easy. This isn't like a, uh, you know, opportunity for shame to say, oh, man, I'm not a good reader. OK, you're not a good reader. That's cool. Own that. And let's step forward Do pick something easy. Nobody's you well, know, nobody's standing over your shoulder. Well, your book, uh, this book that you're you have coming out, I want to get a copy. Uh, how long is the book? It sounds like it's a shorter book. What's the length? Of, what's the word count? What's the word count? Do you know what it's going to be? Thirty five, forty five thousand. Probably around that range. Um, so that's I'm, a I'm short book. Yeah, I'm trying to have it to be a shorter book and kind of take your cue on, on your books. They're, they're shorter, easy reads, uh, stuff that a guy could have. And um, I know you refer to them as bathroom reads, and which is fine, but uh, not, the, not the, the way that I would probably say it. But it's something if a guy's on break, he can set it on the dash of his truck. And he's like, hey, he has a, you know, a break from the work side. He can read a couple of pages, chew on it, and then go back to work. But uh, kind of the idea something shorter and hard hitting. I think guys, the guys have to be hit, not, not hit in a, in a way that they're overwhelmed where they can't, 
they don't feel like they can do it, but it's like there's some impact there. So a guy can really be moved to change. No, and that's really good. We just finished a book. It was free online for about a month called Guts and Manhood. And that was a 38,000 word book. It's a couple hours to read. Guys, I think what you're saying here, when guys are building their strength, they need to get wins under their belt. So they don't live in guilt and shame and they, they forget to make the effort. And one of the areas I think guys struggle the most is physical strength and I think intellectual strength. Even though we have yeah. so much knowledge out there, a lot of the knowledge guys are taking in is is not truth. It's fake. It's obje- yeah. it's subjective knowledge. And so when guys can do that and build their strength. But, you know, really what I have found, I was w- working out in my garage yesterday and I had a really hard workout. And um, I got about three quarters away in and I, and I just I tapped. I never do that. I was like, screw this. Mm-hmm. I'm done. You type of thing. But mm-hmm. if, if I had my workout partner there who happens to be my wife most of the time, we would have grinded that mm-hmm. sucker out. So really yeah. strength, strength does not stand alone. It needs uh, what you call your fourth, your fourth bullet, your fourth uh, bulletproof way. And that is support. How does support link up with strength and the other uh, three items listed? And we talked that this, we discussed earlier. Yeah. One of the great things is once you, once you go back to the source and, and you actually see what God's intent is for a man, you realize that that the way of manhood, manhood is a plural reference. The way of manhood is is not the way of the world. But the way of the Western world right now is rugged individualism. It's the idea. It's the American way. We can do it. Just tighten up your bootstraps. I don't need anyone. Uh, if if I if I do get any help, I can get it from an Instagram feed. I can get it from someone. I can do it anonymously. That way, I become the hero in my own story. And this is just false. Like we're we're made as men, as uh, you know, as Stephen Mansfield would call it, a band of brothers, uh, brotherhood. Yeah. We're part of the family of God, is what the Apostle Paul would use over and over and over and talking about family. We need the strength and support of other men. We're we're not going to be good men. We're, unless we have the support of of other good men who are going in the same direction as us. And one of the really challenging things about this is, again, all, we have all the cultural pressure that says you can do this. And there's a shame component to this, too, because men, they think they should be farther along than what they are. Um, but if we were if we were to simply, I think, in this moment. They would they would look. Like when it comes to support, it's it's look. And this is and look has three different ways of kind of drawing it out. First thing, when it comes to support, we need to to look up. What, what does God say about us operating as rugged individuals? We need to look up. What does God say about us? What does God say about the way that a masculine soul is developed? What does it say that the way of a man, how does how does a boy become a man in the accompaniment of other, what's the next word? Men. Men. Men, right? Plural. So that's the support element. Every so you look up and see what did what is what did God say? Again, going back to the source. Another one is look in. Look in. What about me is keeping me from receiving the support that's around me? So look in. Look up, look in. And then look around. The last one's look around. You look around and you're like, and you, and I bet what we'd see is God has strategically placed men in our life to help support us. And if a man doesn't have that adequate support, he's going to fall into one or many immoral ditches. So yeah. we need we need that brotherhood, that band of brothers. We need that support to keep us traveling down the road of life, so we stay out of those immoral ditches. Well, you know, it's interesting, Chad. I was scrolling. I get up in the morning, and one of the first things, I make a cup of coffee, and I scroll through my feeds, and then I do my Bible time. But I was scrolling through my feeds, this, my uh, my uh, Instagram feeds feed, and I saw a post from the guy, and he wrote a book, and the book was called, I think he wrote the book, F, only the actual word, Your Friends. Yeah. And the whole thing is, if your friends, wow. you know, do this alone. The whole book is about alone. And I know on Instagram, you're not supposed to just like say anything inflammatory. It's supposed to be like a raw, raw deal. But I just went, yeah, live a life of isolation. Have no friends. You don't need anybody but you. Yeah. It's such a joke to me. There's, it is. You cannot live in isolation. Isolation right. is a death sentence. Isolation yes, is. is 
cognitive suicide. It's like you're yeah. co- you're committing suicide. I don't understand how men think they can. And here's the funny part: the weakest men I know don't have support, and they right. think they're tough guys. You know, we we yeah. we look at the divorce rates among Navy SEALs, and we're going, what is going on here? You know, mm-hmm. we 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 need to help these tough guys realize how we their weak areas. Like you and I, we have our weak areas. We need guys that are yeah. tough in those areas. I don't. I just yeah. am so passionate about men getting linked up and locking arms with a band of brothers. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish some of these guys would call in and say, "Hey, Jim, here's why I don't need anybody." I would love to have that dialogue with some of these uh, broken, mm-hmm. hurting, fractured men. Yes. Yeah. The support piece is, is vital to all of us, uh, for us to grow. And again, to keep us out of the immoral ditches. And, and one great thing about the support is, you know, you talk, when we talk about the four pillars of which integrity is the, is the component that you shared, uh, becoming whole in those areas, yes. uh, becoming one with yourself is in essence, the energy of becoming whole. You know, when you look at that, the support piece is is vital to that uh, because you think about working out, you know, there's a lot of times the reason why guys don't work out is because they just can't do it themselves. Like yes. they just don't do it themselves. But if they had that person who was with them, that support person to say, hey, you, you know, would you agree to meet me at the gym at six o'clock? And the other guy, I guarantee you, the other guy would say, you know what? I need you to guarantee you'll meet me at six o'clock because <laughs> I can't do this on my own. Honestly, a good example of this, not you you just kind of told on yourself, Jim, but it's this, your workout partner is your wife, which is awesome. There's, there's a a huge support that comes from, from our wives, right. Or our parents, or it isn't just band of brothers, although that's where we spent most of the conversation. Your wife is part of your support for working out. That's what you were just saying. And you fell short on your workout. And you said the reason, and you said, if my wife was there, my workout partner, I probably wouldn't have fell short. I would have powered through. Yep. Example yeah. No. But the, and the, the, conversely, I wish I had a couple bros to work out with because those guys will push me harder than her. That's right. So yeah. uh, my wife is my support and my best friend, but she will only take me so far. I need guys who will push me to become better than I am in areas where they are strong and I am weak. Does that make sense? Exactly. With using yeah. a weightlifting motif, you and I were laughing. Yeah. I'm a bench. I can bench press a house. So, so I might say, "Hey, Chad, we need to get your little scrawny butt to do push-ups and stuff." And you're like, "Hey, we're going to get your fat locomotive butt on the pull-up bar and start doing some pull-ups." And so, what happens <laughs> is we we complement each other, right? Because right. where I'm strong, I'm pulling you along, and where you're strong, yeah. you're like, "Well, you're literally pulling me up." <laughs> so, yeah, we we right. need the bottom line is this. We need, and we don't need guys that are our equals. We need guys that are better, you know, and we don't yes. need guys that are worse. We need guys that are going to pull yes. us and, and uh, do that. So I really do appreciate that. So your last component, I, I think you would have been ex- very remiss without this last one. And I love this. This yes. kind of completes the circle of manhood, or this is the roof on those four yes. pillars. This is this really a man who, uh, a man who knows his source a man who submits to God, a man who understands who he is as a son of the king, a man who leverages his strength, that man is a liability to this world Mm -hmm. if he doesn't. A a man who has support, this man is still a liability without this sixth element. Can you tell us what the sixth element is and why it's so vital for a man to leverage this sixth element to the world? Yes, serve. This this goes back to you think about you know every uh, little boys they they dream of being heroes, and somebody that is heroic is somebody who's in essence the way that I would define it somebody who's giving their life in service to something else or someone else. This goes all the way back to us. Every little boy, you know they they dream about being this type of man, whether it's a firefighter, police officer, or military, or something like that, this idea of, of service is really woven into all of us. But we have to have the, the source. We have to understand that, okay, God has a place for our, our service. 
God has a place for our strength. God understands us better than we do, that we need support to maintain. To, so, we, so we stay in, in a pathway of where we can actually leverage our strength after submission in service to the world. And ultimately, the great cause for every man, uh, just touching on us as little boys, the great cause of every man is we're all looking for a place to give our service. We all want to become great. We're no different. Uh, there's several different times in the Gospels to where there's examples where, you know, the, the disciples are squabbling back and forth and they're discussing how to become great. Uh, one that comes to mind is, is there's uh, the, the mother of two of the disciples goes and he talks to, talking to Jesus and says, hey, how can my sons sit in the place of authority with you at your, at your right and your left? In other words, how can they become great? And Jesus, he doesn't say, your seat's right here. It does say that the other 10 were indignant. They were ticked off. They're like, how dare this woman come and talk for her? I mean, how embarrassing for these for these grown men or teenage oh, boys. Talk of the, old, of the, the first ever helicopter mom. Yeah, for real. But yet, <laughs> what does Jesus say next? If th- those, those who, who want to be great must be a servant of all. Absolutely. So this is the great call of, of men and women. This is the great call. I want to use my life in service for, for something greater than themselves. And there's nothing greater than to pour your life into as the cause of Christ forward in the gospel and doing great work like you guys are doing, hopefully the good work that I'm doing and others are doing around the world to, to bring up men. Because I, I believe that just as, as you guys talk about when a man gets it, Everybody wins. wins. Well, and so we, so that's really interesting, Chad, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Steven Mansfield, his Instagram feed is great man TV. And he's tapping into a desire that's deep. Every man wants to be great. Uh, You made a comment about the cause and wants a cause and I to, to live for, I I love the phrase, every man wants to find a hill that's worthy of his death. I I just want to find a hill that I will gladly fall on the sword. I mean, to me, man, I mean, that is the coolest thing ever. And we we call these guys heroes. Now, people sometimes get these super Christians who say, well, Jesus is the hero. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. But we want them in the midst of the Jesus story, in the midst of a man's story of Christ in his life, he is the hero that God yeah. has said, you're going to be the hero who changes your world. We know when a man gets mm-hmm. it, everyone wins. That man who gets it mm-hmm. is the hero in God's story, and men yes. just have to realize it. But what you're saying with your six points, and I really, really appreciate this, is you're not gonna you'll be a zero and not a hero unless you turn and sacrifice yourself for others, and and that's probably mm-hmm. the big illusion with this uh, self-made man and with this uh, rugged yeah. individualism is these guys. Uh, it's all about them. Yes. And not the, and that's not where true happiness is found. It's not in the accumulation of wealth. It's in the distribution mm-hmm. of sacrifice. Yeah. I, I, I say it like this, that talking about the condition, and, and we could go back and forth on this, uh, talking about the condition of men, I, I say it in this way. We have Peter Pan-hearted men with yeah. Rambo-like aggression. <laughs> Like true. A, it's true. Like there, there's a disconnection there, you know, internal to us. It's like it, we, we just have the, this soft heart, which there's nothing wrong with being. I love you and I've talked about this on my podcast when you were on my show about Stu Weber and Tender Warrior. I love that. That that was such a life changing book for me. It validated so many things that I wanted to be as a boy and understand still have some of those longings today. But I can't do so at the expense of. Uh, and just becoming barbaric. It's like, I also have to be the guy who opens up the door for my wife. I also have to be the guy who pulls the car around when it, when it's raining and expects that I'm going to go out and I'm going to put myself out there in just small ways to serve my wife. Um, that again, it's that Peter Pan hearted men with Rambo like aggression. Like we're all looking for a place to uh, a place of service to leverage that uh, that aggression, that passion, that energy, that initiation that God has put in us. Well, the, you know, it's interesting. I, on on my feed, I follow groups that like love this lion analogy. 
talking about being a lion, don't be a sheep and all these things. And I'm like, to me, that's yeah. a negative connotation because lions eat sheep. How about a sheep right. dog? You know, the Chris Kyle sheep right. dog. We don't need lions. Yeah. We don't need more lions yeah. out there. We've got plenty of predators. We need guys that are, yeah. we were out hunting mule deer in 2016. And I came across this herd of about a thousand sheep and one giant Pyrenees sheep dog. They're about a 160 pound dog just sitting there mm. guarding all of the sheep. He had his water bucket. He had his dog kennel and he was just that dog and a thousand sheep. And I thought that's what wow. God has called the man to be. He's called the Amen. man to guard the sheep and not eat the sheep. And when the, the, yeah. this mentality of us, of, of I'm a lion, I'm like, no, you're, you're the, anybody who says that is the, is the least of the sheep. And so the, it's right. this concept of serving a, a guy will not understand that his true worth and his true weight that God is giving him to impart to the world unless yeah. he's willing to serve the world. And so that's why I appreciate you, Chad, uh, and your encouraging uh, posts and your, your, you know, giving back to your local church and serving mm -hmm. men through a new kind of man. And so guy, I, I really want to get our guys uh, getting this ebook. I know it's not done yet, but when it is, what's yeah. the best way for guys to access it? Uh, the best way they can access it is banewman.com. That's my website. And also I'll be flooding it on Instagram at, at a new kind of man. And uh, so you can, you, you'll be able to find all of the posts and updates there. And I'll also be talking about it on my own show, new kind of man, uh, the new kind of man podcast. So is it the new kind of man? No, new kind of man. Okay. Your Instagram is that, just new kind of man. A, it's okay. A new kind of man. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, I, I was like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a new kind of man. So, well, that's the like yeah. same thing with our Instagram. Our Instagram is a little different. I think it's the men in the arena. So is this ebook going to be a free download or is it a, are you selling the book? How are they going to access that? I haven't decided yet. Um, th this might be, this might be free, but I haven't really decided yet. Okay. Well, hey, we want to help you distribute that any way we can. And so just let Thank us know you. how we can share your stuff because we really believe in what you're doing. Uh, and uh, we want to bless your ministry. And so, uh, hey, thanks so much for coming on, taking the time. I know you're extre extremely busy. And uh, guys, let's get our boots on the ground here. want to give you an action item. And I think the action item is going to be this. It's going to be really simple today. Go follow Chad on A New Kind of Man on Instagram. And uh, just be looking out for his book. And when he gets that book out there, support his ministry and go pick that book up. I think it's really, really going to help you. So, Dale, why don't you take us home, brother? What's next? Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to meninthearena.org and get your free download of Jim's book, The Field Guide. And also, we'd love for you to go and leave us a positive review. And if you don't know how to do that, you can always just email us at info at meninthearena.org. So until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.